Hi and welcome to BroPod, where we talk to those that defy convention from the world of sports, media, finance, and politics. I am, as always, joined by my distinguished co-host, informed player, mm. and now fighting for much. promotion <laughs> in the Scottish Championship. I, I chose to give a very good yeah, introduction for you bro. today, Kieran. Kieran, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Good. Good to have you. Um, we are doing this rather late in the evening. Mm-hmm. We've just concluded our 42nd episode with Mr. Brian White. Whitey, as we know him as. Um, would you like to introduce our guest? Uh, I'll let you give the... I'll let you have the honors this time. I don't want to read that paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us what you know. Why he's a good friend of ours? Why did you say good that? friend of ours? You spent all four years of college with him from 2014 to 2018. I spent three years of that with him. Um, it was always a brilliant striker. Really came into form his senior year. Um, kind of carried us that season as the main goal scorer. Get drafted number 14. Nice. Um, in the MLS draft in 2018 to New York Red Bulls, which was his kind of home homegrown club mm-hmm. uh, started off with the second team there had to kind of prove himself at that level get a call up to the first team spent two or three seasons there yeah. and now I'll refer to the paragraph with some stats <laughs> here he had 15 goals and 47 MLS appearances with the club mm-hmm. um, they won he told us in the episode they won pretty much would, which would be the title yeah, the regular season the, the regular season title but then obviously in the MLS you have the playoffs but he won that while being at New York Red Bulls um, it was then traded to the Whitecaps, Vancouver, Vancouver Whitecaps, in June 2021. Mm-hmm. And joined them in the middle of the season. At that point, a very mediocre season. Yeah, I think they were, at one point, they were last in yeah, their conference. Yeah. Really, few signings were made. They signed Ryan Gold, who we talk about in the episode. They brought in a new coach shortly after Whitey arrived. And everything just kind of seemed to click at that point. They hit the ground running and they made a late push for the playoffs. And it was their first appearance in the playoffs in four years, I'm going to say, mm. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, kind of setting the standards for this season, um, which is kicking off right now. Um, I think they're one game in. Two games Two in. Two games in. But Whitey's only played one game because yeah. of injury. Yeah, so that is his bio. Hey, that was a very good intro, Kieran. Thank you, mate. Well done. Uh, you really took that one off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I didn't, I didn't tell, I didn't tell you that you were going to do that. No, I didn't, you know. And I think you did that very naturally. Mm-hmm. Carried yourself very well. Um, Whitey did extremely well yeah. when he went to Vancouver Whitecaps. He'd been at Red Bulls mm-hmm. um, and done very well there too. Yeah, ended top top score one of the seasons. Yeah, he was playing with Bradley Wright Phillips. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of had to fill in for in his shoes, yeah. so to speak, when he left. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had twelve goals and and five assists in twenty seven yeah. appearances for Whitecaps. Mm-hmm. Um, as their striker, as they made the playoffs, yeah. like you said. Mm-hmm. So good, in fact, that he was very close to a U.S. national team call-up. Still aggrieved by that. Mm-hmm. I think he should have deserved that, mm-hmm. in all honesty. Um, and then he was awarded with a four-year contract extension with an mm-hmm. option for a further year. Yeah. So the the man is flying high and mighty. Yeah. And very well. Had a bit of a setback with injury, but he's now back. We obviously know Whitey very well, mm-hmm. um, but it was all, it's always nice to discuss certain topics that I think is are important. And with those, I mean, without sounding too general, being mm-hmm. what goes in the goes on in the head of an athlete. Yeah, how do you deal with setbacks? 
How do you deal with the highs? Um, how do you evolve your game? We've been there through, uh, through the last, or we were there for four, three or four, yeah. pretty significant years of development, college, mm-hmm. and how that's benefited him. And reflecting on that experience, there's a silver lining to this episode with the previous two we've had with Mike Noonan, Clemson head coach, yeah. and Liam McDevitt yes. about the pro academies. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the angle we took to this episode. Yeah. And I appreciate Whitey for opening up and sharing those experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And like you, I think you mentioned that, I don't know if it was when we were live, but um, certainly at the end. We're obviously very good friends with Whitey, but we don't, it's not often you have these types of conversations and you know, it's usually when you're friends, it's more kind of, you know, above the surface and friendly and light-hearted and banter, but the, you know, this is a great opportunity for us um, to really try and get behind, yeah, like his mentality, um, how he approaches stuff. Um, and we definitely learned a lot more about him. And again, although it's a pathway that we are very familiar with, it's still the, you know, in the minority, mm-hmm. and it's still maybe undermined or you know goes a little bit unnoticed. Um, and what he spent four years at college. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, was you know at one point was the most informed striker last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and was very close to a USA men's national team call up. So. Respect. Yes. Massive respect. So, um, just join us then. I guess after uh, after the break, mm-hmm. there's all left to say uh, for our forty second episode with Vancouver Whitecaps striker Brian White. This podcast is, as always, sponsored by Pimp Society. Pimp Society is a basically a tattoo artist for clothing and accessories. It is wearable art you can find them on instagram at pimp society you can contact them on email at contact at pimp society.no find them on the website pimp society.no anything customizable anything you want designed on your clothes check them out some real cool unique designs and i think even mr kira mckenna has a pair of slippers customized and unique and a hoodie and a hoodie and a hoodie so yes. he is also part of the movement yes and yes, you do. So fair, fair play. So check him out again on Pimp Society on Instagram or Facebook or on the website. Now to our chat with Brian White. We have the absolute pleasure of welcoming a good friend of ours. Yeah. Uh, one of the most informed strikers in America last season. And fittingly enough, it's episode 42, which just happens to be your number Whitey. Interesting. That's um, a great number. At the start of your career, you're 24 now, but um, so it all the, the stars aligned. So thanks, Whitey, for for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. Pleasure. It's a pleasure. You can officially say it's the latest episode on our end. It is. The it things is. we do for our guests. I know. And vice versa. Sure. Yeah. And vice versa. <laughs> so the eight-hour time difference. The first thing I want to start with, Whitey, <laughs> is we're doing research. And I mentioned this before the episode started, doing research on someone you know pretty well. Um, and the first thing that I needed to address is they said you refer to as the New Jersey Mario Gomez. And this is this is new to me, yeah. Kieran. Mm-hmm. This is new to me. I think Mario Gomez is a very good striker, but is this something you started or <laughs> is this something that's been given to you? Because in that case, very good branding for sure. Yeah, no, it's something I've heard from like one person like once. 
<laughs> you know, I didn't it was know on the official you... MLS website. <laughs> Some dumbness. <laughs> the New Jersey, where are you going? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen, I think it was it Tom Bogart who said that, you, you know, the Jersey guy. So, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure how, how much that's uh, taken off. It's, uh, has, I haven't heard it much. I heard it that one time, but hey, yeah. today's the second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Today's the second. Hey, it's, it's a great branding, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm not complaining. Yeah, I would take it. Mauro Gomez is a brilliant player, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, well, listen, before uh, we go into the more, I don't know, nitty-gritty of, of your career and how that's been, we need to address the fact that you signed a four-year uh, four extension with the Whitecaps ahead uh, of this season, an option for an additional year. Is this the best you felt during your professional career? Yeah, I think coming off of last year is probably my best year in the league. Um, and it's just, you know, I've, going into this year, I think this was my, this would have been my last uh, option on my previous contract. So it was important for, for everyone, I think, involved to, you know, kind of secure a couple more years and uh, officially make Vancouver my home and just commit to the long-term future at the club. Tell us about what, what kind of vibe is it in, in Vancouver? <laughs> I think it's a it's really it's really exciting group. Uh, I think we have a lot to prove, especially coming off of last year. Uh, a lot of people didn't pick us to even make the playoffs, but we made that late push, and I think we're just really excited to be able to build off of that momentum from last year and see uh, what we can do this year. If we talk about last year, then, and you joined them in the middle of the season, <laughs> and you go from New York, East Coast America, to Vancouver, West Coast, Canada. You join the middle of the season. The team makes a few other signings. Scottish midfielder Ryan Gold. New manager comes in. It's been a mediocre season so far. Like you said, you make a push for the playoffs. From the outside, it looks like things just click and you hit the ground running. But that must have been a tough transition, no? Yeah, it was really tough, especially because the trade kind of came out of surprise. I think it was the maybe like a couple of hours before the window had closed and I get a call saying I'm being traded. So that was on like a Tuesday. I think they wanted me to fly out like the Thursday. I was able to work an extra day because the team still wasn't back in training yet. But, you know, so I get traded on a Tuesday, fly out to Salt Lake on a Friday because the team can't travel back and forth between the border. So I'm in Salt Lake City for two months with the team and then finally get to go to Vancouver in August. Then we have a coaching change a couple of weeks into being in, in Vancouver. And then, think, you know, then things started to click. So there were a lot of bumps along the road, a lot of changes going, that I had to deal with last year. And then when we finally got here, the coaching change, a couple of players, uh, things started to finally you know, fall into place for everyone. Yeah. And you have a very exuberant, expressive coach who from the outside, for me, you know, and I follow on the social medias and stuff, I love the enthusiasm, very unique in, the, in what, how you can compare them to, to other coaches. What makes him so good with the team? How does, that, how does that click, that chemistry? Yeah, I think when we first came in, he didn't want to change too much. He wanted to you know, add his perspective, add his tactics. But now having a full year, you know, the team's really excited to have him you know, really implement his style of play, his planning. But besides that, his personality is, you know, it's obvious what kind of energy he can bring. And I think it goes a long way in the locker room of getting guys up for games, getting guys up at halftime and 
uh, it's been it's been a pleasure to play for him. Personality is so much to say for a for a coach, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. <laughs> um, let's talk about Ryan Gold and your partnership with second him. Second best Scottishman he's played with ever, no? I, well, best, I think but... I came from White, was it not? Yeah, no. Uh, second best, surely. Second best yeah. Scots, that's what he said. <laughs> um, I remember watching Ryan Gold at Dundee United. I was quite young, but he was like this kid coming through, 16, 17, and he was like unbelievable at Dundee United. It seemed like everyone kind of wanted him. He goes to Portugal, Sporting Lisbon. Um, takes a while to kind of, you know, transition, but ends up doing really well in Portugal and then making the move to Vancouver. And I remember, and then you made the move at the same time. And I can remember watching the highlights, the, the games, because that's what, you know, Marcus and I do, we watch the highlights. And uh, it seemed like almost every game, either he was setting you up or you were setting him up. What kind of, what makes a good partnership? Yeah, I think for us, it kind of just clicks right away on the field. Uh, he's the kind of player that makes it really easy to play with because of how dynamic he is, how good he is on the ball, and he can pick a pass. So for me, it was all about, you know, I'm a, I like playing a center forward, holding the ball up. For me, it was just getting the ball, get it to Ryan as quickly as I could, and then make a run in the box because he's that kind of player that can find those gaps, makes good runs, and it's, from day one, it's been really easy to play with him. Um. If we go on that topic, you mentioned briefly in terms of being traded, right? And for for non-Americans, the concept of being traded is, is is foreign in the literal sense, in the metaphorical sense. You get traded. I'm also thinking you get drafted, do not get a first-team contract with the New York Red Bulls, despite them being you being their first pick, number 14, I remember, after coming off a very good college season and pdl season um then on another totally different level you're up for the u.s national team don't get picked the reason i mentioned i'm not trying to do this just to mention of all the the negative happenings there's a line here which is how do you deal with those setbacks because i'm thinking you get drafted first of all let's go for instance you drafted don't get immediately you think mm. and then you earn yourself that contract through playing for their second team, scoring goals. Um, you get traded. You suddenly are down the pecking order, so to speak. A Red Bull get traded. Then you have to prove yourself again. Immense respect in terms of dealing with that adversity. What is going through your head at the time? And, and when you sit back and reflect on it, how, how do you think you've been able to come through it and, and, be, and persevere through that? Yeah, I think I'd, when I first got drafted, it might it was a little bit difficult because you see other guys in and around your draft order get picked and sign first team deals, whatever it is, and then you sign with the second team. And, you know, I think at first you kind of think about, like, I was a first-round pick, I should be here, you know. But, you know, growing, growing through that, I think you learn that you don't deserve – or you don't, yeah, you don't deserve what, like, the title is just because of what it is. You know, like, just because I was a draft pick, first-round draft pick, I should get a first-team deal. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm in the first team doesn't mean I should be playing. Just because Vancouver paid this amount of much for me doesn't mean I should be playing right away. Like, you always have to earn that respect, that title, whatever it is. And to get traded, you know, then I had to earn this playing spot because they had guys in that position already. So it's always about earning – um the next, you know, what I wanted with the position you wanted rather than thinking you deserve it for this, that, or the other reason. What do you think? I mean, that's, 
but and that's but it's easier said than done, right? You are able to persevere through it. You are able to take away and strip of of it your entitlement, you know, in the mm-hmm. sense that I should be playing because of my draft pick, because I was bought for this. Where is that? Has that been a process for you to deal with, or do you think that is something that is more so a quality that you've been able to take with you throughout, right? Because it does differ a bit from other from most of the stereotypical players and oh, I should do this. There is a humble, a humility there. Uh, yeah. Place, isn't there? I think part of it is from growing up, I always put a lot of pressure on myself. So it's something that I've dealt with before. And then, you know, working my way through that, whatever it is, you know, I've done a lot of meditation stuff, journaling, trying to work through these thoughts and emotions in terms of putting pressure on myself. And so when I was able to kind of release myself from my own pressure, then having to deal with pressure from the outside, it, it was the same kind of process that you have to work through. And it just took, it took a year or two from when I got drafted, but you know, as you get older, it, it kind of becomes something that you're able to handle uh, more easily. No respect because that's mm-hmm. one of the more, Kieran, I'd say mm-hmm. biggest challenges, eh? even for yeah. yourself when you're preparing for games. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's, we spoke about it a lot, like obviously been living together for the last three years and a lot of the times the focus is always on how can I improve technically or physically or tactically. But I mean, we've like, we've seen, you know, players we've played with ourselves. Almost the biggest factor is, is, you know, mentally, how are you approaching games? You know, what's your mental space like during the game, after the game, how you react to things. And, uh, and that, like, that's what we've probably learned the most. Yeah. It's, um, it's, I don't know what you, th- the way you think of it, but the way I see it for, for yourself and it's, you won't, you only get as much back as you give in, mm-hmm. right. In the sense that you focus on the meditation aspect, but also know going to the games, you, the older you get, the more of a awareness you have of what kind of headspace you're in. Mm-hmm. For me, it's different for me. I feel like I need that almost a bit of an anxiety, a bit of excitement. Mm-hmm. If I'm too relaxed, I'm not ready. Yeah. And I, I sh- I'm sure you can relate and you relate mm-hmm. as well, Kieran, mm-hmm. in terms of how that yeah. approach works. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I've found as, you know, as the years in the league have gone on that it's for me, it's always, it's more what happens outside the field than what happens on the field. Because for me, like, you know how to play, you, you know, you believe in your, your technique, your quality, you know, the tactics of the coaches once, but it's all about your mentality, your preparation, your diet, all of this stuff. I think when you handle that, it makes, everything on the field a lot easier because you know how to play, you know, where to run, how to run. Like it's, this stuff is kind of easy mm-hmm. when you just yeah, take it for what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you take it like, oh, it's not easy, yeah. but like, you know, you know how to play, you know, leaving your skill, but once you get everything outside of it handled and can control like your mentality, your, your emotions and all the pressure, it makes playing, I think a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you look like you've, you've really settled at Whitecaps and for us being able we're, I'm thinking back from the college days in which uh, you and I alternated between playing right back away to Louisville to now mm-hmm. you being one of the 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 like I said the most informed MLS striker towards the end of last season it has been an incredible pathway so to speak um, and now you seem to have gotten that awareness of where you are as a player and I've really been impressed by that awareness, that development that you find yourself in, how would you, before we give our very positive opinion on how we see it, how would you describe yourself as a player? Um, I think I'm like a no thrills kind of defending forward. 
you know, the two teams that have been involved, like the Red Bulls and now the way we play with Vancouver, we like to press, we like to play high up the field. So for me, it's being able to, you know, press well, I think is an important quality in the new kind of style of soccer that a lot of people play. And then being, I've always found myself to be able to, you know, find space in the box. Uh, it's a skill set I think I, I'm pretty good at and just trying to find space, make runs off, you know, shoulders of defenders. And I think that's the area where I can, uh, where I really thrive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, that is one of the things I do remember most from playing with you in college is your energy up front, your pressing, you know, always be proper up for a game. But you said there about being a kind of box striker and we watched like I said, I don't want to I sound like I'm up. He's, you know, so up himself right now. But um, when we watch your highlights, your goals always seem very similar in terms of it's always inside the box, width to the goal. It's getting cut back, headers, rebounds. And from the outside, some people might think, oh, that's, you know, it looks easy or it's lucky. But there's obviously a talent and a, and a kind of instinct for it. I wonder what you attribute that to. Um. Yeah, for me, it's just, um, it's like just staying alive. It's, you know, I think a lot of forwards sometimes have a tendency to sh- switch off. You know, sometimes when another player is taking a shot or the ball is wide and the play look, might look dead. Uh, for me, it's just being able to stay alert the whole time and always constantly trying to think of where the defender is, where he can't see me, you know, finding little pockets to, to make runs into and and then obviously having a, a, a partnership and a, and a connection with your players around you to know where they'll cross the ball, how they like to play. And uh, just being able to connect with players, I think, is also a huge uh, impact. You're probably a result of the, the teams, the coaches, the players you surround yourself with, I'd assume. And you, and I'm thinking you played with one of the best MLS strikers of all time in Bradley Wright Phillips. I'm sure that there there's something you can attribute that to but i'm i'm personally that's what i'm most impressed by because the things that almost go unnoticed in terms of every run you go for finding those spaces that you know there's very few of your goals that come outside the box if i'm correct to assume so i got i got one of the i got one against new york city outside the right box. yeah okay one well, i actually read that i was like okay but where the boy okay this is one which but which which are which goes to show that you are a proper you know, I, you're always you're always in the right area. You're you're not dealing with what's outside, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, that's probably what I've been most impressed by in terms of just having that eye for goal. And obviously, my dad plays, so he was a striker. So I know I know how to take note of that. But for me, that's the most impressive thing. And for me, that's something new in your game, quite frankly, because you never were until three four years ago. You were never that for me that type of striker. You, is that fair to say or do you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely something I, I was able to learn a lot from from Brad, uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, because uh, I spent like two years with him at the club and obviously one of the best MLS strikers ever. So it, it was a great experience to learn from him. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, I'm a student of the game, just trying to learn different movements. Like you said, you watch your dad. I watch a lot of strikers and how they move in the box. And, and see where they drift off to. I had a coach, my old PA coach always told me, get to the back post like a boomerang, just gets to the back post and tap it. Right. And just knowing where the spots are to hit uh, and just adding, like, 
relentlessly make it like that's where I'm going to go from the back coach, knowing the spots and just sticking to the ball will find me if I get there. Just need to be there. Yeah, mm. exactly. That's what my dad always says that he said, there's a quote, uh, my grandma would have scored there. And then he always says, yeah, but she wouldn't, she knew she wouldn't have stood, stood there to begin with, <laughs> you know, and that's where, that's where the goals are created. Yeah. Um, Do you want to read the quote out? No, I mean, there's no question related to it. It's more so just to encapsulate uh, your style. But I was, what Kira and myself were, uh, sad to reflect on, on the quote from your, your head coach saying that you are, his example, if you're selfless for the team, is one of the most selfless and team-oriented strikers I've seen in my life. The good is, the good is going to get back to you. Mm-hmm. And I guess, as, as we mentioned, you only get as much back as you put in. And, and, and you seem to be a perfect example of that. And what better praise to get than from your coach who is able to, to recognize that? I, get, I guess the question for me there is, is that selflessness natural or is it intentional on your part? I think it's natural. I think for me, I kind of like, pre- I like pressing the ball. I like running after defenders, making their life hard. Um, and when we win the ball up, up the field, it's a lot easier to score because there's a lot of less distance to go. So for me, it's, mm. you know, it's something I enjoy, but it's also where I realize like if we win the ball here and Ryan gets it or Daho gets it or David gets it. I'm right around the box for right. me to score the goal. So it's like, it's for the team, but I know when we win it there, I have a better chance of scoring than if we win it by our own goal. Yeah, yeah good man. Good point. This next question is an interesting one for us because I think we touched on it with Mike Noonan, but I feel like when you go to college, your, your whole kind of world opens up and you see a lot of the opportunities that are there outside football. And at least for me growing up, the opinion was that you had to be when you got to around 18, 19, you had to be breaking into the first team. You had to be making an impression and challenging in men's football. And if you weren't doing it around the ages of 18, 19, it would probably pass you by. And I feel like even in the UK, that opinion's starting to change now. And you know, coaches and clubs are more patient with young players and they come through later now. Uh, and I'm, that's probably general all over the world. But I feel like college even you know, adds to that in terms of the, you know, extends that process of beginning professional football. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know what that process was like for you. And when you realized that, you know, I can, I can make a living from professional football and I'm going to pursue uh, professional football. And I'm wondering when that belief kind of was confirmed. Yeah, I think, I think it was confirmed when I finally got drafted. Uh, you know, I always believed that I was going to go play pro eventually. But like, cause then, you know, I know in the U.S. there's USL. So I think one of the issues, at least with college soccer, is that you have a backup plan. So like for me, for a while, it's like, all right, if it doesn't work out, I have a Duke degree to fall back on. Like it's not that end of the world where if you're going straight through the academy and you don't have that background, it's like do or die. Like you have this is this is everything. So I think you know, at the end of the day, I did want it just as bad as someone who doesn't have a, a Duke or a degree to fall back on. But at the same time, it was something where I was like, I'm going to do everything I can, but it doesn't happen. Like, I'll be okay. You know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse of, I think the call is around. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And I think for me, it, it actually gives you more credibility and kind of respect that because there is that comfort that, you know, I don't make it in football, you know, I've got a good education behind me and I will be okay, you know, I'll, I'll go and have a good career elsewhere. But in order to kind of overcome that comfort, you know, and, st- and 
meant to pursue professional football, it shows how much that you do actually want it and and that, you know, in terms of it's not it's not a need, it's more of like I want, you know. Then we had the I wouldn't say counter argument, but in terms of the college experience, we had Clemson head coach Mike Nunan win the national championship, have has great experience in the game, and he was reflecting on the college experience and he used the hardware and software analogy, meaning the hardware being the academies, uh, being the better coaches you have, quote unquote, better coaches, um, better training environments, facilities, etc. Then there's the software, the EQ, the emotional intelligence, the relationships, um, the, the quote unquote increased maturity from being within a not purely football environment, but an academic environment. So I'm wondering if that has actually been a benefit for you. And when you speak with great humility and awareness upon your own role in the team, I know that's the type of person you are, Whitey. I know that as well, but we are also some of our experiences. So I'm wondering if, I'm, or I'm confident the fact that it did certainly help you in many ways as well. And whether an academy, a straight up academy environment would be the best for you. I, I don't know, you tell me. It's hard to look back and think like, oh, if I went straight through the academy, I would have been at this point when I was 19, this point I was 20. But for me, I think going through the college, I was the best route personally, because I think I was able to you know, grow so much as, as a person, as a student, as an athlete. Like you said, it opens the, your, your eyes to so much else in the world where I, I would never have experienced without it. Mm-hmm. Meeting new people, new cultures, going through different obstacles to overcome. Uh, I think for me, without, without college, I wouldn't be the person I am. I wouldn't be the player I am. And for that reason, like for me, it was the best, the best option. I think, I think we all can relate yeah, to that. Absolutely. Obviously, we're now in a, in a confirmation uh, bias uh, sort of a system. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, the goal is here more so to bring light to that there are alternative routes to the pro, which yeah. you are a great example of and bearing the fruits of now. If we go towards the end, Whitey, I'm thinking, first and foremost, have you made any thoughts on what you want to do after your career? Do you think of that during, while playing? Yeah, I've started kind of looking into like the next phase already. In yeah. terms of just network, networking a little bit, speaking to people at, at Vancouver in terms of like what they do in the front office, because right. that's something I'm, I'm interested in. And yeah, just kind of exploring it leisurely on the side, seeing what I'm interested in, see if I could set anything up along the way. Cool. Gather some experiences. Um, Vancouver is also a very cool city to be in, so uh, from what I understand too. So, uh, it's a, it's a nice city. I miss the I miss the East Coast a little bit. The pizza, the bagels. Is, but, that, the, uh, is that the biggest? How would you describe what's the biggest transition from living in Vancouver to, to New York? Uh, one the pizza and the bagels. <laughs> you're, so, many, you're, like, so you, you're so food, yeah, you're so on brand. I, you know, I miss like a nice like deli sandwich from like an Italian like sandwich shop, Fiore, Vitos, <laughs> and something like that. What about the artichoke pizza? Yeah, artichoke pizza. <laughs> Lucky, there's a there's a place literally right beneath my apartment that's a Brooklyn style pizza joint. Yeah, authentic. It's not exact. It's it, you know, it's it's close enough. You know, it's not the exact same, but it's pretty good. Fair it, enough. It's that need. Marcus and I are you know uh, in Chicago this summer for for a, a reason that doesn't matter, but. I've heard that, you know, they say the pizza's a lot better there. I don't know how you feel about that. Nah, I've heard this deep dish now. It's like soup. Yeah, that's no, soup. 
Yeah, that's what I heard too, to be fair. That's what I heard. Yeah, I'm saying loyalty. Never, never tried it. You and your region. Um, this is what what moment in your career are you most proud of? Is there a ha- is there a game, a happening, a an occasion that you look back on and you know, because people don't tend to reflect on their careers until after they're done. Is there anything that pops to mind? Um favorite moment well i think you know you play to win championships and trophies i think one of the best moments was when my rookie year when i was finally with the first team we ended up winning the the community shield which essentially would be you know the title of the league yep. anywhere else in the world but to here it's just the the mm-hmm. supporter shield sorry um yeah and, the, and for me it's one of those things where like i didn't have that much of a role in the team winning it minus i played you know, like two games in terms of that helped us win mm-hmm. that helped us get to that point. Uh, but I'll, you know, I'll take, I'll take the yeah, trophy. Absolutely. I'll take a mark on my, my Wikipedia page. As a, as <laughs> I'll the see, you're the one saying you're the incredible player. I am. Uh, he is no, I only put it. I put the height. I put the height like six foot. Cause someone put me at like five, four. <laughs> nonsense. So what is official then? Six foot. Five eleven. But we'll, we'll keep uh, it six foot. We'll say six foot. We'll be on, and it'll be in our title. Um, <laughs> Do you want to? Yeah. Wait, I believe the past window, the past transfer window, marked the highest number of players leaving the MLS uh, for a European club. Is that, is it a desire for you to leave the US at some point and come over to Europe? Do you think about that much? Person, personally, not, not a huge desire. Um, at this point, I enjoy my, where I am with Vancouver. You know, I enjoy the city. It's, it's a fun experience being it's a different country than america even yeah. though it's just you know it's just vancouver it is a new and a unique experience that you know i really enjoy and uh yeah for me it's i'm happy being in the mls being close to family and friends so yeah, yeah i'm ha- i'm happy where i am for now yeah it looks like an incredible setup yeah and um, it's a refreshing answer because we always you know quote unquote the mls is we keep saying it but yeah, you got MLS. it good in the MLS. Yeah. So got it good. It's not a bad setup. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, teach you good. Yeah. Thank God you know because yeah. it is it is a very very good. Yeah. I don't bite the hand that feeds me. You know, yeah. damn right, damn right. I'm torn between asking where do you see yourself in five years or what are your goals for this season. I'm gonna go for the former and ask you, where do you see yourself in five years, Whitey? Dude, I don't know. I don't know. I think five years. What's sad. I think I'll still be in Vancouver. Hopefully, I'll still be in Vancouver in five years. Gonna be the last, the option in my contract. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's say for excitement that it's the four and the extended option is also passed. Oh, uh, so I'm like 31. 31. Like yeah. Or that is five. 32. I don't know. Math is my, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. At, at that at that point, you know, I don't know. I think I've always wanted to be a professional soccer player. But at the same time, I don't want to, you know, outstay my welcome in, in this mm-hmm. in this world. I, I'm interested in other things in life. Mm-hmm. And at whatever point those interests start overtaking my soccer interests, then I'll, I'll have to walk away. But for now, you know, soccer is the only thing I want to do. Um, and hopefully that can stay the same for for many years. But if in that amount of time, whatever becomes my main focus, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see where it leads me. I, I don't know, though. <laughs> It's a good answer, very spoken good like answer. a true politician. Yeah, Coincidentally enough, he is a political science major, mm-hmm. so uh, he's got that on point. Whitey, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. You have a, uh, a game coming up this this 
weekend. Um, you made an appearance on the bench after injury, so hopefully we'll see you from start that weekend and back to being the the mighty goal scorer and selfless goal mm-hmm. scorer uh, that he is. Thanks a lot, Whitey, for taking the time. Thanks, guys. Always, always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of BroPod. A very insightful chat with Whitey upon his experiences coming up through the professional pathway and now at... Uh, accumulated the experiences and all the time he has invested into on-field, off-the-field endeavors, and now um, enjoying some of the best football of his career. Um, We will be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, please like, subscribe, share, what have you. We're also on YouTube with video, the full episode or video clips. So uh, enjoy those. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks.